Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we'll be talking about the Kingdom of God, and almost at a loss as to what to talk about today. I got a lot of things we could talk about, but uh, I was going to have my son as a guest because of the fact that we were having a discussion last night concerning somebody who was extremely woke, and they had written a uh, or what they think is woke, and and it's it's just bizarre. It's it's like how do you even talk to these people? Somebody was just saying just before I came down to go on the air, you know, that they're surprised at how many people, people who have been in concentration camps, people who have been persecuted by the Nazis, are actually extreme socialists today. They're very much in favor of socialism. It, you could, cannot be a follower of Moses and Abraham or Jesus Christ and want to be a socialist. They absolutely, they are totally incompatible. Socialism is when you're forcing your neighbors to contribute their fair share. All through the Bible, it was free will offerings. All through the New Testament, it's charity. Charity and free will offerings are the same thing. But forced offerings, forced by the government, threatened to go to jail, threatened to have your property taken away if you do not contribute to the welfare of your community, that is a covetous practice. That is desiring to take away from your neighbor so that you can have more stuff or more security or more freedom from having to produce the stuff yourself. That's what socialism is. You can call it anything else, but that's what it is. And... But once you accept that idea and go down that path, go down that river as we talked this morning, it alters your mind. Philosophers, historians have written about this for generations, for thousands of years it's been written. That you, that when you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others, you will degenerate. Your society will degenerate. It will become weak. But although you hear me say this every week, people don't get it. And, and the people who kind of see it, but they really don't, they, they, they see it because they don't like the way the rest of the world is and the control that it imposes on them, the oppression... Because everybody wants to force their neighbor to contribute to what they think they ought to be paying into. And that is the antithesis of the teachings of Christ. It is the antithesis of what Abraham was doing. It is the antithesis of what Moses was teaching the people. And all the prophets. Yet they don't see it. And it's like a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. You know, care of one another through charity. You have two coats, share. You have extra meat, food, whatever, share. Do it systematically, sure. 
do it as organized people, but not ruled over, but organized, voluntarily, do charity. That simple. Just do it. Or not do it. Well, if you don't do it, you're not following Christ. So we know you're not a Christian. If you don't do it, you're not following Moses or Abraham, so we know you're not a Jew. If you don't do it, we know you're not a Buddhist, because Buddhists said the same thing. Except for, you know, Buddha said, the sight of me is not your salvation. Buddha said, don't make me a god. Of course, they all did that anyway. And, of course, the Nicene Council was doing the same thing. Now, Jesus said, ye also are gods, talking to his apostles. Because the word just means ruling judge. And if you were ruling according to the Holy Spirit, you'd be righteous in your ruling. But you're not. Most of you don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. You think it's some sort of an emotional experience which you generate a good feeling about yourself and about your faith. But if you're not actually doing what Christ said, you don't have faith in Christ. You have to be a keeper of the commandments to abide in His love. Otherwise, you're going to end up getting involved in the deeds that He hates, the deeds of Nicolaita and the deeds of Balaam. And that's exactly what everybody has done. And they've gone this wrong way. And so how do you go back? Well, you can't wait for other people to do it. You have to do it. You have to make the commitment to do it. You have to, In order to make the commitment, first you have to admit that what you've been doing isn't right. It isn't righteous. It hasn't been righteous for a hundred years in America. And the rest of the world is the same. Australia, everywhere. It's just not right. And of course, because you coveted your neighbor's goods, you've all become merchandise. You've all become human resources. Because you're all in apostasy. I mentioned apostasy this morning. What does it mean? Is apostasy just about religion? It, it actually means abandonment. Or even renunciation. Of a religious or political belief. So, if you're, uh, if you say you're a Republican, but you have nothing but Democrat philosophies, then you're in apostasy. Like the woman who's conducting those January 6th hearings, or whatever they call them, uh, the circus, January 6th circus. There, there was no insurrection. There was some vandalism, very small amount. Most of the people were not committing vandalism. Yeah, I hear people talk about all these people who are hurt and injured. Not, not, not the case. Show me, show me. I, I know a woman got shot. Unarmed woman got shot. A veteran, unarmed. She, she barely stands five feet tall. She wasn't hitting anybody. She wasn't uh, carrying a weapon. She was murdered, just murdered, and he gets away with it because that's – you've already lost your country. You've lost it a long time ago. You, you don't own your home. You don't own your children. You don't own your labor. You're slaves. But you want to think you're free. You want to think, oh, well, if we vote Trump in, then we'll fix stuff. What delusion. It, nothing's going to change. Oh, it might get 
you know, it's like flapping your arms when you fell off a 50-story building. It might slow you down a little bit, but not significantly enough to change the outcome. No, you have to actually think differently. And the Republicans aren't thinking differently. They're just thinking a little less. This, just this side of crazy. Your only hope is Christ. But it has to be the real Christ, what he said to do, what the early church was doing. Because right now, every church I know is in apostasy. Every church I know of. I would love you to show me one that's not. But I I can't see it. You know, so this word apostasy, you know, is from a Latin word. Apostasia. Uh, which is actually from the late Greek, apostasis, meaning defection. You defected. You went over to the other side. See, Christians who followed Christ were considered an apostasy by the Pharisees. They, The Pharisees held both a religious and political position of power in Judea at that particular time. They were a political party. The Sadducees were a political party. The Essenes were even a political party, although most of the Essenes wouldn't have anything to do with what was going on in the uh, Jerusalem. They were going to take care of one another through charity. They weren't going to do it the way Herod set it up to compel contributions where everybody had to pay in a little bit. You know, like FDR did. Because they were a political party. They were religious, but they were also a political party because their politics is their religion. And they sat in the seat of Moses. Christ talked about that. The fact that they sat in the seat of Moses. You know, if you read in Matthew 23, 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe. That observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born. Burdens to be carried. And lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, it's like all the people in Congress, they don't pay into Social Security. They have their own system. Uh, and and they it's a pretty good pension system. But all the works they do to seen of men, and they make broad their phylacteries. You know what a phylactery is? It's a little box with a leather thong. And in the box you put a scripture and you, you strap the thong on your forehead and, and then you wrap 
the thong around the forehead so the box just stays there on your forehead. And then you run the thong down, the little leather thong down your arm into your hand and you hold it in your hand. That's a phylactery. And Jews were doing that. That has nothing to do with what it was about originally. Originally, the idea of a phylactery was the idea of a meditation. Where you hold a certain thought in your mind about being aware of yourself and 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 uh, for the purposes of God. That's the thought you hold in your mind. And you focus on that. And you be aware of that. And you be aware of your hand at the same time. You be aware of the moment and the things that distract you are the things that are buried inside you that you need to look at and you see them and then you go back to that meditation. That's what it was about. But they got ended up, you know, through their unmooring of the metaphors, they ended up actually with a little leather box on their forehead with a piece of scripture written in it. Has not it didn't change them at all. It didn't alter them. When that person asked me why do people who were so abused by the democratic socialists, we call Nazis, how come they are democratic socialists today? And it says you become what you hate, what you pay attention to. You become like. And hate is a form of attention. It's their lack of forgiveness makes them what they have become. Just like the brothers of Joseph became slavers. White slavers, that's what they were. The brothers of Joseph were white slavers because they sold their own brother into slavery. All socialists are white slavers. They don't have to be white slavers. They could be black slavers. They're slavers. They want to enslave other people to make other people contribute their labor for their benefit. That's wanting your brothers to be slaves. That's promoting slavery. They can complain all they want about Thomas Jefferson. But they are slavers. Thomas Jefferson wanted to free not only slaves but everybody. But the modern socialist wants to enslave his neighbor, force his neighbor to contribute to his welfare, pay his student loans, all those kinds of things are part of that. P. Christ. They're anti Moses. They're anti-themselves. Yeah, and then enlarge the borders of their garments. What, what does that mean? That was the, the other thing that he went on to say in Matthew 23. They wanted to enlarge the borders of their garments. One of the things that they were told to do is to not uh, enlarge their fringe. We have an article up. You can look it up, Fringe. Just type in the word Fringe in the, at Preparing You, and uh should pop up. Let's see. Maybe I can type it in here. Oops. Got to type the actual right letters. There it is, Fringes. Oh, yeah, it's right next to the article on Breaches. Yeah, you know you're supposed to sew the breaches of your ministers in the Old Testament? has nothing to do with underwear. It has nothing to do with their pants. That's not what the people sewing the breeches is about. These are all metaphors. All metaphors. This is, 
but they un more the metaphor from its meaning, and then you get this nonsense that we call religion today, which is total apostasy. It's total false religion. Feels good. Makes you feel like, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. No. No, you don't love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you'd be doing what he said. You wouldn't be coveting your neighbor's goods. You'd be taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. But the, you know, the politics of the Pharisees got them more and more into trouble. Jesus said he was going to take the kingdom away, and of course he did take the kingdom away, and the way he did it is he got them to renounce the kingdom. And they did that when they said, we have no king but Caesar. They didn't say, God is our king. They said, we have no king but Caesar. They went into apostasy. They weren't Jews anymore. Not politically, not religiously. They were doing the opposite of Moses. How could they be Jews? They sat in the seat of Moses. They had no right to it. But neither do you have a right to the seat of Christ. Because you're not doing what Christ said. According to the man Pontius Pilate, Jesus was the king of Judeans. That's what he put on the cross. You know, the sign that said, Jesus Christ is king of Judeans. Jesus Christ is king of Judeans. Jesus Christ is king of Judeans. And that's why they said later that Peter is one of those guys who say there is another king. Because they had another government that operated on the perfect law of liberty, which means there were no forced taxes in the kingdom of God. There was only charity. But the government you're in it has taxes. And you have to pay them. Because they sit in the seat of Moses for you. Now if you repent, repent and turn around and go the other way, things could change. But if you put it off, things will not change. They, well, they will change, but they'll just get worse and worse. You don't want that. You don't want to go that way. You want to repent of that and go the other way. So when the Pharisees said they had no king but Caesar, they were out. They, it was just like the Israelites when they said, what is David to us? There, Jesus was the highest son of David. He was the rightful heir, and he wanted to return you to freedom the same as Moses wanted you to return to freedom. But you didn't follow Jesus. You followed your vain imagination. Then you did the opposite of what Jesus was selling you. And that's the truth. It's not my truth. It's just the truth. I talked about Matt Walsh doing this video on... What it's a woman. And you can go look at what Anomaly said about it and other people said about it. Well, what is a woman? Well, I, I said it last night when the topic came up. A woman is a man with a womb. That's what a woman is. A woman is a man. She is like a man. You know, two arms, two legs, feet. I mean... Men have everything that women have, and women have everything that men have. They just, they're just, hormones have changed the size of everything and the structure of everything, but basically everything is still there. But the woman has produced a womb in which to carry a child. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. 
I can't imagine, you know, that it, that alone, that to produce the next generation inside herself and to feed the next generation, nurture it up. That, that there is no greater task before man or woman than to do that. And the task before man is to keep her safe, to protect her, to support her. I mean, life is hard. Like I was saying, you know, people think, oh, well, Industrial Revolution was so terrible on all the people and everything. It was a piece of cake compared to what they were doing before the Industrial Revolution. Life was hard then. Yeah, people were tough. People took advantage of people. But nothing takes advantage of people more than socialism. And Democrat and Republican are all socialists. I mean, if you believe in public schools, you're a socialist. If you believe in Social Security, you're a socialist. You know, they, they, there are some people who say, well, Denmark's not really a socialist economy, you know, but it's social welfare programs, they are socialist. They bring in just enough private enterprise to keep them afloat. And that's good. The more they go that way, the more they go towards the kingdom. But if you're going to, you know, if you're going to still play around the quicksand, you're going to sink. You're still going to go down. You have to really, actually change. But in that thing with Matt Walsh, the guy was offended by the fact he kept asking, no, there's no truth. He didn't. He didn't want him asking about the truth. He was going to walk away. It bothered him. Well, don't you want to find the truth? He says. And of course we do. But who's truth? You know, truth is what's true to you. No, it's not. If 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 there's a dagger in your hand and you think it's a piece of paper and you stab the paper into your chest, then it's a dagger that goes into your chest. If a person says they're a woman, then you're supposed to just believe them. No, you're not. If they're not a woman, you should say, well, no, I don't think you're a woman. Or if a woman says she's a man, just because she's... What was it that uh, the one fellow said, quoting Abraham Lincoln? How many legs does a dog have if the dog calls his tail a leg? Well, it's easy. It's four. Because calling it a leg doesn't make it a leg. It's still a tail. That's the truth. It hasn't become something else. Calling yourself a Christian while you covet your neighbor's goods, while you refuse to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded, where you don't live by charity, but you live by force. You don't live by faith, you live by fealty, because you have made a slave out of your neighbor. Well, then, it's very clear. You don't really believe in Jesus, you're not really a follower of Christ. And... You're a worker of iniquity. What does the Bible tell us about pure religion? 
pure religion is unspotted before the world is taking care of the needy of your society. Through faith and hope and charity. If you're not doing that, you're not following Christ. You're not a follower of Christ. You're not a Christian. When when we take away... Well, today, people perform their known duties to their fellow man through political means. And the political means of the world, specifically, the political means of the world is force. You sign up, they force you to contribute. That's the political means of the world. And that's how you do it. But that's not the political means of Paul. Paul did it through free will offerings. That's why he talks about polytume. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our polytume, uh, the administration of, of civil affairs, is through heaven. That's That's what Paul was doing. That's what Paul was saying. The social justice warrior using the political means of Christ is using charity. The social justice warrior of everybody else is using force. He is ruling over his neighbor to get his way. He is exercising authority or getting other people to exercise authority to force his neighbor to contribute to his welfare. He's forcing his neighbor to sacrifice for the needy of his society. Just realized I didn't turn the recording on. And that's, um, I'll have to download the recording from the station so you'll hear a decidedly different recording after this. <laughs> so anyway, I can't believe I forgot to do that. Just, uh, I got so many things going on all the time, so many things I'm thinking about, so many things I'm trying to accomplish. And uh, it would be a lot easier if people were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and then I just focus. I do have some help out here now, um, but uh, you really need to actually start caring about others as much as you want God to care about you. I don't care who they are that you're going to start caring about. It's got to be real people. You know, it can't just be your pets. It's got to be real people. Yeah, you you can care about pets too, or livestock, or whatever it is that you have. But you got to care about your neighbor, not the neighboring owl or the neighboring woodchuck, but actual human beings. There's a guy up in the woods near Lakeview. We just call him Joey, but he's a bit of a reckless. He's hiding out. He's threatening. Anybody who comes on his property, he's going to kill them. There are people that have to cross his property to get to their property. It's always been that way. It's an easement across there, a natural easement. But he, he's afraid to go to his own property because this guy is threatening to kill everybody. Well, the guy is signing his own death warrant. Eventually, that's what it's going to come to. Unless he repents of that. But if you're going to 
covet your neighbor's goods or just ignore your neighbor. I'm not, I don't want any benefits. I just want to just go do my own thing. Well, then all your neighbors can just do their own thing when you need help. They don't need to come for you. That you should not expect them to come and help you. And this is what made Christians peculiar, is that Christians went out of their way to help others in an organized fashion, so that they knew. They were just giving, like I say, $20 bills out the window to people on the street corner with a sign. I must have said that a hundred times. We've seen this problem over and over again. How do you know who needs help? Because if you're helping people who don't need help, you're weakening them. You're, you're, you may even be helping them become extortioners and liars. Because it's so easy to just lie and then I, I can take advantage of you. You don't want that. You have to get serious about the perfect law of liberty. And the kingdom of God. And it's, it's gonna cost a lot. Because Things are more expensive. But mostly what it's going to cost you is your delusion that you think that you're actually doing what Christ said. But you're 100% or 99% or 95% or at least 80 or 55% dependent upon men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. One over the other. And you certainly do not have a network of charity to take care of all the social welfare of a community of people who actually believe in Jesus Christ. And you know they believe in Jesus Christ as they're practicing pure religion according to the perfect law of liberty and they're actually taking care of one another in faith, hope, and charity. Just such a simple idea. As you tell people, no, 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 all I have to do is believe and I can just keep... You can, you can see them walking around with blinders on. They just don't want to see the truth. They don't want to admit the truth. So, like I said, there are several definitions of religion. A very common one I pointed out. It's been around for a couple hundred years. I mean, religion in the Greek is threskia. Threskia is what you do. So religion was what you do. It's not what you think. You know, they didn't use a word that means what you think. They used a word that means what you do. And what do you do? Well, religion is defined as the real piety in practice of consisting in the performance of all known duties to God and our fellow man. So religion is the performance of a duty. It's the practice of performing that duty. And it's real piety. Piety is obedience or obedience to your natural father or to your father in heaven. So you're going to perform these duties because God wants you to perform these duties. And God does want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now the other definition of religion which is from Google, is that religion is what you think about a supreme being. And that's what most people call religion. They have 
you know, they have their doctrines, their creeds, and they think this about God, or they think that about God, or about Jesus. And they call that religion. But they don't do what Christ said to do. Why do they think that they're even remotely religious? Why do they think they abide in the love of Christ if they're not doing what Christ said? It's just vain imagination. Pure religion is at least taking care of the widows and orphans in any of your society, unspotted by the the activities of the world. When we departed from supporting all the social welfare, public schools, health care, aged people, sick people, dying people, when we departed from taking care of those people through charity, we abandoned John the Baptist. You can go get baptized all you want. You can get ducked in water all you want. If you're not taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity, you have abandoned the baptism of Christ. Because he told you water is not enough. You have to immerse yourself in the way. And if you fail to do that, well, you will be under tribute. Because the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And you've been slothful in the ways of God and taking care of the needy of your society. You haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing. You have departed from the free will offering of the Corbin of Christ. You have departed from the charity, the fervent charity of the New Testament. If there's a dearth, you're not going to send people out from your church solely to help the needy. You're going to depend eventually upon people of the government. Now, there are a few religions, religious groups out there that have an inkling of what I'm talking about. But most of them, and, and it doesn't matter if they just understand a little bit, they have to actually be doers of the word. Not those who hear this is Jesus' word, but those who are doers of the word. So, you've defected against Christ. You've gone a whoring after the benefits of men who exercise authority. And so you are in apostasy. So, your your politics has become your religion. One guy said, socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion because when you're taking care of the needy of society through forced offerings, that's your religion. And that religion is not the religion of Christ. It is not the religion of Moses. It is not the religion of Abraham. And you need to repent. You need to think differently. Early America considered uh, America a republic because they were free from things public. You know, you go way back, you know, 500 years before the first European made it over here to Europe in in a real fundamental way. And you will find Lady Godiva saying that we cannot 
tax the people to take care of the poor. It would be destructive to the poor and to ourselves. We need to take care of the poor, the needy of our society through charity. And that's what she did. And then they distorted the story of Lady Godiva so that you wouldn't understand what she was really doing because all you'd hear is the unmoored, titillating story of her riding through town naked. But she knew a thousand years ago that that would be the destruction of society. Two thousand years ago, Polybia said the same thing. Almost two thousand years ago, Plutarch said the same thing. And and all the prophets said basically the same thing. You know, America was great at one time. South America, not as great. Why? They both have natural resources. Why was America great? And somebody wrote, I saw the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors. And her ample rivers. And it was not there that he found it. In her fertile fields or boundless forests. And it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce. But it was not there. So, in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there either. So, where was it? Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And America ever ceases to be good. America also will cease to be great. That's exactly what we have. And of course we've done that because who did it? FDR, uh, public education, LBJ, all these guys said it is absolutely okay to take from your neighbor to have more stuff for free for yourself. The Pope says it. The Protestant ministers say it. They're not taking care of the daily ministration. They're not rightly dividing the bread from house to house. They're not laying down their life daily for the welfare, for the table of the Lord. They're not setting the table of the Lord. They're delivering you into bondage because they should have known to make covenants with men who exercise authority to get benefits at the expense of your neighbor is going to make you merchandise because Peter said it would make you merchandise. It's right there in the text. But your pastors don't see that that coveting of your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority in opposition to the teachings and directives of Jesus Christ, has delivered you and all the people of the world into bondage so that they got 
millions and millions, a billion people lined up to be injected with poison. You know, I just read a story, West Point article. There was several officers who came out and wrote this article complaining about the fact that all the students at West Point were compelled to take the vaccination. They rejected they rejected exemptions, religious exemptions. Pilots are being forced to resign because they won't take the injections of an experimental drug with no long-range testing. Semi-long-range testing. Semi, just partially long-range. Just a matter of months. They, they euthanized all the experimental animals because they were already starting to die. Their immune systems were breaking down. Millions have already died from the vaccination. Millions. Now, a lot of people are going to fact-check that, but like I said, in the days of Noah, the fact-checkers drowned. Something is this way coming, and it's wicked. I was offered West Point when I was drafted into the military during the Vietnam War. They sent us all through testing. You know, it's a thousand guys going through testing. Me and one other guy were offered West Point. I don't. I, I didn't even try on those tests. <laughs> I'm shocked because I'm not the straight A student everybody thinks I am or something. But uh, me and one other guy were offered West Point, which would mean I would have finished out AIT and then uh, because of the time of year, and then I would have started into West Point. And uh, if I went through the four years, then I'd re-up for six years of active service. So that'd be ten years, maybe eleven years before I was done. And let's see, uh, I would have been probably come out a first lieutenant just about the time the Vietnam War failed entirely. <laughs> it would have been... Uh, I don't know. When did we get out of Vietnam? Anyway, I'd been in 73, 74. Well, I was married before I would have got out of <laughs> West Point. But I turned it down anyway. So uh, they offered me officer candidate school. Because uh, I, I didn't want to go West Point. And I thought about that. And a guy told me, go to officer's candidate school. I think it's 22 weeks or something like that. And it says, go there for 21 weeks. And then resign. Step down. And I thought, well, why do you do that? You go to all that work and then, you know, it'd be artillery or something. And then you step down. And uh, he said, well, by the time, you know, you'll go through AIT and, and basic and AIT. And then you go to officer candidate school, OCS. And then you do the 21 weeks and then you step down. And so... Then there will be so many weeks before they reassign you and there won't be enough left time in your draft, which is a two-year draft, to, to send you overseas. You have to have 18 months left of service or they won't send you to Vietnam. So it was a way of getting out of Vietnam. I thought, well, that's, that sounds cool. So I thought I would do that. And uh, I don't know, I might have gone all the way, but as soon as you finish, as soon as you graduate from Officer Kennedy's school, 
you have to re-up for three years. I think it's three years. At least two more years. Because you're now an officer. And so now you you will get a different number and you will be set. Uh, I can't remember. They hadn't quite gone to using social security numbers for your military ID. They do now. But uh, anyway, uh, ended up, God intervened. And I was released from custody and control of the military. <laughs> Another long story. But the reality is that God was leading me, just like I was saying this morning when I was sitting there reading that uh, stone plaque in the, I think it's Kellogg building. It could be something else similar to that, but uh, in Houston, uh, which was the, uh, the uh, Hippocratic Oath. And I read that word pessary, and I knew it was important. I kept reading that word pessary, but I didn't know what it meant. And then eventually I found it out. That you're, you have gone down the evilest and evilest roads and nobody hardly sees it. Yeah, the, the greatest gift that man and woman can have is to give birth to the next generation. But today they're outraged if they can't kill their children in the womb. Shocking. How did we get to that point? People struggled to keep their children alive for thousands of years. And now they struggle to kill the child in their womb. Now I know everybody doesn't do that, but millions do. How did we degenerate so far? Socialism. Not caring, not actively working to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Not actively trying to take care of your neighbor with personal sacrifice. Because that's how you raise a child, is personal sacrifice. You get up. You take care of the child. Oh, I got lots of stories of that. Take care of the child. Working all day. 14, 15, 16 hour days. And then try and take care of the child at night. And then we had another child and another child. <laughs> I think we had more than Gaffigan. <laughs> so, and I mean, we loved it. It's, it's, it, it gave us meaning to our lives. And now our kids are grown. Many of them have kids. And uh, that's important. But your kids have to be just as important to me as my kids. But instead we have we have husbands who don't care about their wives, don't care about their children. No, they feign that they do. But they care about themselves. They're selfish. How would you get mixed up with such a man? How would you get mixed up with such a woman? And I know many people who have. Because you're selfish. You don't. Nobody wants to think they're selfish. But that's the problem. All the problems of the world today come from the fact that we are selfish. We care about ourselves more than we care about our neighbor. You have to actively reverse that process in your mind and in your heart because you can't just do it in your mind. Oh, I love all my neighbors. I love these people. I love them. I'm not going to do a dang thing for them. 
they need any help, they gotta go to the government who exercises authority, the one that makes them merchandise, human resources. I'm not gonna help them. I'm not gonna sit down in a network of people trying to figure out how to help them. Why? Because you're selfish. Oh, but I give to this and I do this and I sacrifice here. But are you even coming close to the kingdom? The kingdom was thousands, millions of people that sacrificed on a daily basis, daily basis, so that their ministers would have the resources to help out people who actually did face starvation at times. The flow of blood into the body of Christ must be a daily thing. The heart beats 60 times, 70 times a minute with blood to keep the body alive. We don't, we're not keeping the body alive. We're letting it die. We're strangling it. We're smothering it with false religion. Because we're in apostasy. And that's, that's where we've gone. We, America has ceased to be good. In every turn of the writings of Alexis Tocqueville, he saw individual charity as the powerful agency that must not be despised. And that Quote, any measure that establishes legal charity, the welfare state, on a permanent basis and gives it administrative form, thereby creates an idle and lazy class living at the expense of the industrial and working class. Ezekiel said it. Behold, this was the iniquity of the sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. She weakened them. And, and this is what Americans have done with their system of legal charity. And you need to repent of it. That's what you need to repent of. That's what you need to turn away from. This thinking of the dangers of a social safety net provided by a welfare state was common in early America. But the America today ignore the immorality The people knew how dangerous it was, but the people today ignore not only the dangers, but the immorality of the welfare state and its social safety net provided through legal charity. Constituents of Davy Crockett, which was, trying to remember his name, I have to go look that up, Uh, he knew He condemned Davy Crockett because Davy Crockett used government tax dollars 
to help out people who were burned out of their homes. He said, now I can't vote for you because you've done this. Horatio Bunce, that was it. That was his name, I remember now. I, I was going to go look it up, but uh, then all of a sudden it came to me once I decided to look it up. <laughs> was uh, uh, He knew that you needed this charity, not so much for those who would receive the charity, but for those who would give it. Because Christ came to give life. He didn't come to take it. If you aren't coming to give life to others, then you're not coming in the name of Christ. And that's what, you know, the abortion, the desire to kill the life in your womb, one of the most sacred duties a woman has is to give birth to the next generation. That saves your life if you do it with love. But they don't. They destroy their own lives when they destroy the life in their womb. They're no longer a woman because they have hollowed out their womb so that they produce no generation. They produce no life. They sacrifice their children on the altars of Molech. I mean, that's that's the story, but that's the metaphor of the fact that this is what people do. It's a blood sacrifice. And they have been convinced that it's okay. You know, that was why Pelosi was not allowed to receive communion because she was promoting abortion and she was in favor of abortion. But the Pope says, no, that's okay. That's how far we've descended. But if you advocate forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare through the men who exercise authority, I don't care if you call yourself a Protestant or a Catholic, you're an apostate. You've abandoned the ways of Christ. Even Augustus Caesar said was, he was sensible of the mankind is governed by names. Nor was he deceived in his expectation that the Senate and the people would submit to slavery, provided they were respectfully assured that they still enjoyed their ancient freedom. That's what FDR did. You're going to still be the freest nation in the world and all this stuff. The day that lives in infamy is the day that he signed the Social Security Act and said with a stroke of a pen, it is okay to covet your neighbor's goods, your neighbor's labor, your neighbor's property. It's okay to covet what belonged to your neighbor so that you can have free stuff, so that you can have security. This is the insanity pervasive throughout all religion today, throughout all countries today. And it's time that we repent and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And until then, all I can say is, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. 
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.